How's it going, everybody? Uh, welcome back to the Raised by Whoops Fake Radio Show. Uh, this is Glenn here, and I am sitting with the other host of this show, uh, Andrew. Not sitting with, sitting over over Zoom, of course. Um, how's it going, man? Good, good. I was just trying to interrupt you as as loudly as possible. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah, we haven't really done much together on this show. It's all been kind of separate. So, so we decided that we would do these intros in tandem, maybe not every time, but, uh, at least going forward for a little bit. So, uh, you know, just to maybe mix it up and, you know, not to let things get too stale, I guess. Um, so yeah, you're being real generous, man. The the real seek the reason I'll just be honest. Yeah, yeah, is because I I suck at doing intros, and I feel so awkward talking to myself into the microphone that I've begged you to do this to help me because you do great. Your interviews are fine, and yeah. Not your interviews, your intros. Your in- intros are great. Yeah, and mine are clearly not. So I'm like leaning on you to help me make my intros not suck, and probably. As a result of that, I'm making yours suck now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're well, going to put mine up and I'm going to drag yours down and then we'll be like normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's weird how that works. Yeah. Cause like, I think I'm more comfortable talking to myself and I don't know what that says about me. And I don't know what it says about you that you're more comfortable talking to others, but I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. It's it, it is a weird dynamic though trying to be funny by yourself in a room by yourself. But anyways, <laughs> you're good at it, man. All right, well, I think, I think I spend so much time talking to myself otherwise. Like by the time the microphone shows up, it's like, okay, man, I've had enough of you. <laughs> yeah. Um well, before I introduce this week's show, um I just wanted to ask um you what the response to your book has been so far. Any any like really kind emails from weird countries or anything like that what, what's the response been like i haven't gotten any weird emails from any any other countries i have gotten i've gotten some responses from uh from people who kind of know me sort of not maybe really very very well but they know me well enough and they're like kind of surprised that i'm mean, one that i guess that i could write a book at all and that uh that i guess that it doesn't suck and <laughs> Like, I got I got genuine surprise from one person who was like, "Wow, this is actually good, right? This right. is actually good." <laughs> Which uh, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take whatever you know, whatever anyone wants to say about it, unless it's you know, highly critical and makes me feel worse about myself. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, I feel like so that's far it's been good. That, yeah, that's great, man. Um, yeah, I'm just glad you you got it out there in the world, and uh, and yeah, for others listening, uh, yeah, they can go to. Uh, moreonbook.com and More on there's the com. the Amazon link is right there for yeah. people to click on and, and if they want to read it I highly recommend it and um, and yeah I know what you mean about like surprise praise like I remember my folks they used to be like you know like I remember like when my mom would send me cards or for my birthday or whatever like that she put like I'm really proud of your work ethic and, uh, you know, I always thought, well, I'm, thank you. But like, you know, I, but like, but then when I would show like a talent of some kind, she would be the same way. It would be like, 
what the you know what how how are you how are you talented at anything yeah, but anyways uh, yeah 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 no it's a i'll take whatever i can get i mean yeah. just the fact that anybody's picking it up at all i'll take you know? yeah yeah um, yeah so so yeah mostly mostly great i would say mostly great response so far well that's good um so yeah um well this week on the show i guess i'll just uh go ahead and uh talk about it here um i interviewed a gentleman by the name of andrew dansby and andrew dansby uh is a writer and editor at the houston chronicle and um i contacted andrew because he was friends with another houston writer by the name of john nova lomax and um John Nova Lomax uh, passed away recently on May 22nd uh, of this year at the age of 53. And I was tipped off uh, to John's writing and to John's work through actually a Jason Isbell uh, Twitter post. And Jason Isbell mentioned that John had passed away and that he enjoyed his writing and that he had met him a few times and that he was a really kind and intelligent guy. So that intrigued me, and I started looking up John's work and just really kind of connected with it. Um, he wrote for a number of publications in Houston, um, Houston Press, Houstonia, uh, Swamp Lot, Texas Monthly, Texas Highway. So his work is kind of scattered all over the place online. You know, you can find, you can find bits and pieces everywhere. Um, and I just started, you know reading it and i mean he covers everything from like houston dive bars to um obscure country musicians he had a whole series uh, called the soul of houston where he him and a friend just wandered the streets of houston and just you know did photo essays and and talked about different corners of the city um that people may not have known about um the funny part about that series was that um houston's a very car as you'll hear andrew talk about in our conversation houston's a very car centric city and it doesn't have a lot of sidewalks and it's sweltering all the time and so so just that angle of like walking through um a city and documenting it so and he had a number of other articles and and he was a music journalist too so and he wrote books on crime and 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 anyways he, he i just connected with him you know he he um his love of music, his love of oddballs and underdogs. He covered a lot of like, he, he wasn't afraid of covering anybody. And, uh, um, you know, and it didn't matter your class or your background, you know. And, and again, going back to dive bars, he would go into these dive bars and just try to get stories, just try to eavesdrop and nice. just try to get angles on things and, and write about that stuff. Um, uh, and John... And he's a Lomax, right? He's like Alan Lomax's grandson or something like that? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he belongs to that lineage. Uh, Alan Lomax was his, uh, again, we, we get into this in the talk, but Alan uncle. Lomax was his great uncle, I believe. Great uncle. Yeah, and uh, his father, John III, John Lomax III, um, you know, managed like Steve Earle and Towns of Enzant. And um, so, yeah, just a, an interesting family. And he kind of took up, the mantle and, and, and did his own folklore stuff. And uh, so anyways, I, yeah. 
I I wanted to talk to somebody who knew John, so I got in touch with with Andrew Dansby from the Houston Chronicle. He was gracious enough to uh, you know to talk about a pretty uh, um, what's obviously a sad um, topic. John didn't pass away that long ago, so you know Andrew um, got on and we talked about his life. We talked about his work, um, and it was really great. And Andrew's a talented journalist and writer uh in his own right i mean he works for the chronicle but he's worked for rollingstone.com and and i also just want to mention that i i slid a couple of songs into this episode too so um when i was looking john up online i noticed that he you know i was looking up to see if he had been on any podcasts or anything like that on spotify and i came across uh a few curated playlists that he had put together Yeah. So I kind of got a taste of what he liked. Uh, And one artist that kept popping up was uh, the New Orleans singer-songwriter Mary Gauthier. And um, she has a really fantastic song called Mercy Now that I'll play uh, in the episode. And um, another artist that comes up in our conversation is the band uh, Clem Snide, who John and Andrew both uh, really, really liked. And uh, I'm going to play a song by them called uh, Roger Ebert. So, nice. so, so yeah, yeah. Um, a, a really great talk with, with Andrew Dansby, a couple of songs and uh, this new fangled intro that we're uh, putting together yeah. here. Well, it, the, the episode sounds good, man. Can't wait to hear it. Yeah. So, wh- when are you um, getting your green card and moving to Texas? You're <laughs> like a Texas interviewing son of a bitch. Yeah, man. It, it would be, uh, if there's any Texas publications out there that want to hire a, a very inexperienced but curious writer, um, I will gladly accept any position as an intern. I'll do anything. Yeah. I'll, I'll well, live in somebody's as basement. A, as a guy who wants to promote you specifically, I would amend that resume and say <laughs> just a very capable and curious and honest Canadian, which <laughs> may or may not be redundant. Yeah. But, uh, that's the guy that that I would like to have working for me if I had any kind of publication that needed curious people out there asking questions. Yeah, and and I think that sort of ties into this whole episode with John. Like, I mean, once upon a time I did try to go to journalism school, but I only lasted two months, and you know I was drinking heavily, and uh, you know I just wasn't prepared for the workload and. Um, I also wasn't prepared to learn a lot of the other elements of journalism, like photojournalism and designing a news page and um, all that sort of thing. And I just kind of wanted to jump into exactly the type of stuff that this John Nova Lomax mm-hmm. was doing, you know, just right. finding finding stories. And I thought that's what journalism was. And it is to a degree. It's, yeah, you're you doing know. it now. I mean, that's exactly what this interview is that you're doing. Yeah, with Andrew. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, but I, you know, when I went to school for journalism, they were like, well, you know, first you got to learn how to design a news page and then you have to like, Mm -hmm. maybe you can get a job covering city hall and stuff like this. And I just, that sounded excruciatingly boring to me. And I just wanted to (laughs) jump into it. And and, and that's kind of what John did. You know, he just sort of jumped into it, like I say, um, and just found stories and wrote them and, yeah, and people liked them. So. Well, cheers to the people who leap and just go for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And cheers to the people that sort of find their courage and their voice early on in life. Like I'm 41 and it's almost taken me to this point to like kind of get over my 
shyness and actually like do some of that type of work and reach out to people. And I, I, I wouldn't have dreamed of doing this type of thing probably when I was like 26 or 27 or 28. And I think, you know, if you have the courage to do that sort of thing at that age, that's amazing right. because, you know, it's going to give you a, a head start. <laughs> well, the curse that you have is self-awareness. So you're, you're self-aware enough to know probably how insufferable you were as a 20 something year old <laughs> and you didn't want to subject anyone else to that, you know, I, on, on I, a grand scale. Yeah. I, I, I think that's part of it, man. And, yeah, uh, the curse I, of self-awareness, <laughs> yes. it's an ambition killer. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, man, I hope I haven't uh, trampled all over your intro, but uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this. I've, I've got a ton of questions, but I'll shut up and let the uh, let your guest answer them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And just listen to the episode and we will chat about it later on. Um, and uh, I guess if anybody out there wants to give us a rating, we still uh, like it when people do that. Uh, reviews. Like yes. yes. Ratings, like reviews. What else can you do? Yeah, email us. Uh, Send um, a story. If you got a story to tell, we want to hear it. We'll, we will share and publish your story. And, you know, I was thinking, uh, you've, you've been writing these unsolicited letters to people, <laughs> asking them to please be on the show. Um, you know, as a listener of the show, if there's somebody that you want to hear us talk to, boy, it really sounds a lot better coming from you than it does from us. Cause it sounds thirsty from us. Like if I send a guy an e you know, an email, like, Hey, will you please be on my show? <laughs> they don't know that like our show doesn't make any money. It's not really, you know, it's just a pure curiosity thing. When you get an email from me, it's cause I'm curious. Not cause I want anything from you other than like some time and some information. Right. But if a listener of a show is like, Hey, I think, you know, I know this guy that I listen to, he's got a fake radio show that I think you'd really like. I'd love to hear you on it. That would be great. So if you're out there and listening to this show and you don't know how to support us because we don't take any money, you could send an unsolicited email to a person that you would like for us to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, would, that? that would be great. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, we're open to any sort of and all pitches. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, if you, if you have any ideas out there, let us know. Otherwise we'll just totally. keep, we'll just keep throwing these up here. Uh, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what, whatever, anything you want to send us. The only thing more satisfying than taking advice that you like that you need is ignoring advice that you don't. So please yeah. send us whatever you want. We'll take <laughs> yes, it. absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Uh, anything else you want to say, Andrew, or are we good to go? Nope. I'm with the show, man. All right. Enjoy the episode folks. Uh, this will, uh, I guess lead into the aforementioned, um, Clem Snide with their son Roger Ebert, followed by the conversation. Enjoy. Adios. Did you know these were Roger Ebert's dying words? Did you know these were Roger Ebert's dying words? It's all an elaborate hoax. It's all an elaborate hoax. You looked ever peaceful, you looked ever young, accepting his moment that soon would be done. 
road in a note that he passed to his wife as he felt himself shedding the skin of this life except there is a vastness that can't be contained or described as a thought in the flesh of our brain it's everything everywhere future and past dissolving together in eternal flash Say that he loved her so much His hand seemed to pass through whatever it touched And the credits that rolled Listed all of God's names As images floated away from their frames From their frames Did you know these were Roger E? Dying words Did you know these were Roger Ebert's dying words It's all an elaborate hoax It's all an elaborate hoax All right, cool. So, uh, yeah, I'm here with uh, Andrew Dansby, uh, entertainment writer and editor at the Houston Chronicle. And I invited Andrew on to talk about his friend, uh, John Nova Lomax, um, who uh, passed away May 22nd of this year um, at 53 years old. Uh, John was also a Houston-based writer uh, who covered a lot of territory from uh, from music to crime to... I guess what I'd call underrepresented uh, cultural aspects of Houston and uh, Texas at large. Um, and I just wanted to say that I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't come across John and his work until the day he passed away on the 22nd. Um, Jason Isbell uh, had sent out a tweet um, s- saying that uh, he had passed away. And I was just kind of intrigued Um by who John was. So I started, I just plugged his name into the search bar and all of these, you know, tributes and memorials came up, uh, including yours, Andrew, in the uh, Chronicle. And I just ended up, uh, you know, reading a bunch of his stuff from there. And, you know, I, I felt a pretty, I guess what I would say, a pretty strong connection to the guy. Just, uh, you know, he was a music lover like myself and, um, kind of covered oddballs and underdogs and, um, um, you know, uh, had some addiction issues, which I've, um, you know, I've walked down that road too. So I don't know. I just kind of felt, um, a bit of a connection and I just wanted to talk to somebody that, uh, that knew John. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for, for doing this. So. Oh yeah. yeah. And then just thank you for, for, for what you're doing. Cause I, you know, it's, 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 he left behind a lot of great stuff, but sometimes it just requires being pointed the right direction to find it. So uh, I'm glad, I'm glad Jason's tweet yeah. had that effect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I guess John had covered a trucker story in 2004, I think. And, um, yeah. and yeah. And, and Jason was, uh, in the band still at that point. So, um, 
But before we get there, before we get to John, I just, um, you know, I also know that you're a talented writer and journalist as well. And I've read, um, uh, you know, in prep preparation for this talk, I read a bunch of your stuff too. So, um, you know, I went to like, in particular, I went to Lone Star Music Magazine and, uh, yeah, I think, and, and read a, a bunch of your profiles that you had done there, like on Todd Snyder and Ray Wiley Hubbard and, um, I think Billy Joe Shaver maybe. And, um, so yeah, I just wanted to get, uh, just talk a little bit about your background before we get to John. So you mentioned in your piece about John that you, uh, had Kentucky roots. Were you born in Kentucky? Yeah, born born in Lexington, and uh, and I grew up in a little town called Ashland, which is sort of in the far northeast corner. There's this point where Ohio, Kentucky, and West Virginia all conver- uh, converge. Yeah, and and Ashland is on the Kentucky side of that. So yeah, that was uh, from birth until about sixteen. Uh, that was home. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. One of the first. Uh, I'm not going to keep bringing this back to me, but one of the first uh, road trips that uh, my. Uh, common law spouse and I took was sort of down into the Ohio river Valley. And we went through, oh, nice. yeah, and we went through Charleston and, uh, mm-hmm. and Huntington and then, uh, crossed it over and we spent like a day in Ashland. I remember we, um, ah. I don't know, we watched, a. Uh, I remember we, it was back in 2007, I think. And I think we watched like a Nicholas Cage movie at a cinema in Ashland randomly enough and then, uh, carried on. But yeah, so I've been there. Yeah. That's, that makes me so happy. Nobody uh, usually people only pass through Ashland on their way to somewhere else, but it's 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 a it's a fun little town. I you know it was it was a good place to grow up. I uh, yeah, um, yeah. The Judds are from Ashland, R- um, right? Right. Uh, a bit, Billy Ray Cyrus. Uh, there's a whole there are a whole bunch of country musicians from right around there. But uh, yeah, it's um, uh, yeah. If you mentioned those places. I haven't I haven't been in about. Five six years. My my great aunt turned one hundred a few years ago. Oh wow! When we went down there, and that was yeah, that was the first time I've been in a minute. Anyway. Okay, cool. Um, so, and do you come from like a journalistic or writing family at all? Or no, not at all. But it was it was something in high school that I just sort of felt like I might enjoy doing, and and uh, and I you know it was, it was junior high that I think I started buying copies of Rolling Stone, and 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 you know just and that's when I started actively reading sort of music writing. Right. And um, so uh, I, I wasn't really sure there was a, a path to doing that. Uh, so I just, mostly I was a consumer. Um, I, I might've done a couple of things for a high school newspaper. By the time I got to college and uh, I went to college in San Antonio at Trinity university, I started working freshman year for the school paper. And so that was when I first started reviewing albums. Uh, I, I found a few of those reviews recently and, and, and it was all I could do to keep them burning. <laughs> it's really, it's really embarrassing to go back and find something you did when you were eight. Right. <laughs> we all start somewhere. Um, so was there any reason that you chose Trinity uh, University? I was sort of naive and I was looking for a, uh, I was looking for a liberal arts college with a small enrollment. Cause I was, a, I was a little bit of a, a wallflower and, and I wanted it to be in the top 10 U S city. Just, I didn't really have a sense for what a college town was. So I just, I was looking for a place that would have a tower records or something. And, and San Antonio did not have a tower records, mm-hmm. but Austin was just up the road. And so, uh, 
Yeah, it, it ended up being a fine place to be. And, and it actually, it really unlocked a lot of the sort of Texas music that means a lot to me now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it, it was sort of funny that I ended up there, but it, it, it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and then you just, you've been in Texas ever since university then? No, uh, after, after, uh, university, I moved up to New York for nine years and, uh, and I spent a few years, uh, that in book publishing, um, my, <laughs> My first job out of college was uh, working for the editor who worked with uh, George R. R. Martin from the Game of Thrones Song of Ice and Fire series. Oh, so wow. that was okay. Yeah, so that was that was my first job, and then uh, I did a couple of publishing jobs. Um, I did one year in the film business that wasn't great, and then uh, when that ended abruptly, and I started uh, freelancing for a friend who worked at uh, RollingStone.com. And after about a year of freelancing, I got hired by them. So I was at Rolling Stone for about four and a half years, five years, maybe, if you count the freelancing time. Okay. Uh, and just and yeah. music reviews, music profiles, that kind of thing. Yeah. And and a lot of it was for uh, RS.com. So a lot of it was just sort of breaking music news. But uh, yeah, concert reviews, album reviews, interviews, especially the thing about RS.com at the time was it was sort of where people would you would do interviews with people who weren't going to make the print product which worked great for me i loved old honky-tonk singers so like there wasn't a space for them in the print right magazine in 2000 2002 so um yeah so it was, it was a lot of that but it was also you know but uh, trying to think of what was big in 2000 like the flaming lips uh, that, yeah. that would usually fall over at rollingstone.com they hadn't quite the, the soft bulletin was out but they were still sort of a um they were still kind of marginalized a little bit in the, in the press side. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's cool. And I, I think I read, too, that you worked for American Songwriter at one point, too. I I didn't work for them. But I know I put I know I did at least one thing for them. Okay. I've now, yeah, it's, I, I haven't freelanced in so long that I've almost forgotten who I, who I freelanced for. But I, I know I did at least, I did a couple of things for them back in the day and, and, and loved, the, loved the publication. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I always, uh, I mean, I, I think it, there was some new ownership there a couple of years back now. And I, I yeah. mean, um, to me, it's not quite the same magazine as it was, but, um, but I mean, say eight, nine, 10 years ago, I, I used to subscribe and I, I really enjoyed it for a long time. So we, we overlapped with that one. That's about when, that's about when I was reading it most. Yeah. Uh, yeah, most fervently, and I've and I've, I've lost. I mean, a, a lot of the places have shuttered. I don't even I don't even have a good accounting for what's still out there. Um, it's 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 sort of heartbreaking. Twenty you know twenty three years after I started at Rolling Stone, just seeing you know how few outlets are left and how few uh, people I knew yeah. uh, who were in the business then are still doing it. So. Yeah, um, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I guess I will anyways. But do you have any um like uh, do you have any favorite profiles or, or, or any sort of dream uh, 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 articles that you were a part of? Good question. Uh, yeah, I wish I'd thought about that a minute. Um, so I, I, I'll save one till the end because it would segue toward uh, into things John did. Um, this is this is embarrassing that I can't come up with this off the top of my head. But, you know, I, like what... 
citing uh, David Foster Wallace's Roger Federer story is sort of a, a, an easy one to do. But I, I remember reading that and just thinking I should probably quit. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was such a such a great piece. And, and I don't even think he, he did an interview for that. I think that was just all him reflecting on, okay. on that. Um, I, you know, the, the gay Talese Frank Sinatra profile is the standard that a lot of people use. And I remember reading that in college and thinking that was that was quite remarkable but i'm trying to think of something recent yeah, that, yeah. that 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 moved me and i'm and, and i'm struggling not because i don't read things all the time that i love i'm struggling because there's like a long jam in my brain yeah no no right now okay uh, maybe i'll put a pin in that one but i, I yeah because i you know anything with noel gallagher is usually yeah <laughs> uh, usually a great read yeah yeah no no um, absolutely yeah that's i i just uh um I put you, I, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I'm interested to hear what what uh, you wanted to talk about later on about John. The minute you know, we hang up, when the minute we hang up, I'm gonna I'm gonna think of like 40 things, uh, <laughs> and that's just how it works. But but uh, you know, but yeah, I did mention John. Uh, yeah, he did that. He did this sort of pursuing Doug Supernaw story, and Doug Supernaw was a 90s country guy. He had a few like legitimate hits. I think he probably wasn't quite the he didn't become the catalog artist that people thought he would, but he grew up here in Houston and uh, and just vanished. And and John sort of pursued him physically, you know, to this little town where he, he heard he just sat around and drank all the time. It ended up being a really, yeah, just a really one of my favorite pieces he did. And and I think it won in one of those ASCAP uh, Deems Taylor Awards. It was it was really good. It wasn't a profile. It was more just trying to like. What happened to somebody who sort of got chewed up by, um, you know, the industry? Yeah, yeah. Twenty five years ago. That, that's always something I admire. From I mean, you know, just cultivating that that stuff. That I mean, there's lot. You know, I, I'm there's there's lots of you know compelling and fascinating stuff all around us. But the the hard part is digging it up and 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 figuring out what's going to be a compelling story. So yeah, that's. Uh, it's just it's kind of neat that he you know found found this guy i didn't i haven't read the supernaut story but like like what 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 led him to you know finding him or or do you, do you remember that's a that's a good question i i think i think it was a story I, so he would have been music editor at the Houston press at that time. And, and it's possible there's a period where he was briefly the music editor for all the village voice media. And it may have fallen around there, but I think, I think he just, I think he spent enough time in bars to kind of, he would get wind that, you know, he, he did a, he did a book on Houston dive bars. And, um, and so I, you know, he, that was sort of his thing. He'd go to these places, talk to the people. And I, I think he had just heard some sort of murmur that, that, you know, Supernaw was frequenting this place and he was struggling with, with various issues. And, and, and I, you know, with John, that was just, that becomes a trailhead yeah, uh, yeah. to, to, to go, to go pursue. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I, but I can't think of specifically what set that one in motion, but, but, you know, it's just, you, you take a guy with local connections who had, who seemed poised for big things and then disappeared. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's a story whether you find him or not. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's a good strategy too, you know, like hanging out, hanging <laughs> yeah. out in dive bars, like kind of like a policeman hanging out in a, in a donut shop, you know, it's yeah. yeah stake out mentality. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, increasingly it's difficult to do that, especially when, when, 
you know, when you're, if, if you're at a place that pushes volume of stories rather than, you know, depth for any given one, it, it, it can be hard to make time for that. Cause you know, he, he could have been out, he was out there for days, I think, and then could have come back with nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so where did you two meet? Where, where did you meet John? We met uh, specifically um, at, uh, there was at South by Southwest one year, um, there were the the village voice media sponsored a show and i think like i think the black keys were headlining but that was in that period before they were playing arenas uh but they were still you know a known entity and 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 so uh somebody from houston press invited me there and somebody introduced us and then then we'd been reading each other's stuff for for some amount of time this probably would have been 2007 2008 um maybe 2006 actually um but it doesn't matter but yeah so we met at a village voice media event at south by um and and i kept running into them that weekend we we must have circled the same things on our calendar there was this band monotonics from i think they're from tel aviv there's outrageously uh, uh visceral sort of um rungy rock and roll okay and, uh, okay and 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 yeah without Neither of us knew the other was going to be there, but sure enough, like it makes perfect sense. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a band I, I, they empty. They would they, they play in the middle of the crowd in empty trash bins and occasionally set them on fire. So <laughs> you know, the the kind of chaotic uh, scene that he would appreciate. Right. And did you did both of you cover South by uh, quite quite often or? Yeah, I I think I was there. Let's see, I got here in '04, so I wouldn't have, but. 2005 to 2010 probably 2012 maybe um i i I did i just there wasn't a ton of our readers didn't find a ton of value with it um so like there wasn't a a lot of demand uh from my supervisors and it just got to be hard and so i i just i quit going and when i quit drinking uh it it probably would have been a lot easier to have done it sober, yeah, <laughs> and uh, than the way I did it back then. But yeah, I just I just always found myself really wiped out by it. And some of that was self imposed, and some of it was you know South by doing its thing. But uh, yeah, there's there's a good six or seven or eight years. I was pretty regular there. Yeah, yeah. Do do you go anymore at all, just recreationally? No, no. It's it's I yeah it's too much for me yeah yeah I, um, I'm, yeah do you do you go no i've i've um all? you know i've i've been down to austin twice only twice but i've yeah i've purpo- purposely okay. uh I've <laughs> avoided the march uh the march dates there just you know um yeah yeah i don't uh i i also don't drink anymore but and i think that's half of it but um but yeah. also i mean i don't dislike crowds but i but I mean that—that's just a bit much, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, say no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're aligned. On that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, I, I, for the listeners that don't know, I just can. Um, I think I have a, a bit of a handle on this, but can you just talk about John's lineage in the Lomax family there, and just yes. some of his? And I will. Tr- yeah. yeah, I'll try to do it slowly too because it's going to be going from my brain to my mouth, and I don't want to, I don't want to screw it up <laughs> in between. So, so it, yeah, so we're talking about John Noble Lomax, who, who uh, writer, and uh, his father is John Lomax the third, and his father 
Um, he, he, he's had a lot of, he's done a lot of work sort of in music. Uh, he started in Houston as a writer, uh, Space City uh, News, I think is the name, but he, so he started off sort of writing about music in the late sixties, um, moved to Nashville and, and he was a band manager, a musician manager for some people like, uh, Towns Van Zandt, uh, for a while, Steve Earle, um, uh, Rocky Hill, whose brother Dusty Hill uh, is is notable in ZZ Top, but Rocky was this this guitar hotshot in Houston, one of the best guitar players I've heard on record. Uh, I never got to hear him live. Um, so, uh, and, and then he got into the music distribution business. So that's John Nova's father, John Three. John Three's father is. Um, John, I think he's John Avery Lomax Jr. And he started the Houston Folklore Society. Um, his brother is Alan Lomax, who's the very, very famous uh, folklorist. Um, and he would have gone on that famous 1930s road trip recording music through the South with his father, John Avery Lomax Sr. So, um, okay, okay. So John Avery Lomax Sr. would have been John Nova, who we're discussing today. He would have been his great-grandfather. Okay. Um, and Alan would have been the great his great-uncle. His great-uncle, correct, correct. You, you, you got it much faster than most people do. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a lot there. Um, and is that all, like, is that family rooted in Texas, or is it? Yeah, before I think there was one generation. I, I, I could be mistaken. It, this is worthy of verification. But I think before John Avery Lomax Sr., there was another generation, if not two. But I think one more generation that was settled in Texas. I believe they came here uh, from Mississippi. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, you're you're talking about a family with a lot of Texas tenure. Um, and, and and there's a there's another uh, Bess Lomax would be John's great aunt, and uh, she was also in the in the you know folklore um, you know documentation side of it too. So it's yeah, it's a family with a long deep history, yeah. sort of um, presenting, documenting, and and, and uh, writing about music. And, and is that something that John took a lot of pride in? Like, uh, did he did he talk about it a lot or? Uh... Yeah, it's weird. He didn't talk about it a lot because I, I, I and I, I don't know why. Maybe it's I, because it, possibly because it required a lot of explanation, and partially because you know he he was very he was he was interested in the old stuff. He he knew like that early nineteen fifties rock and roll inside and out, especially as it pertains to the Gulf Coast. But he was also like he was one of the one of the first writers at sort of one of the, the major publications here uh, to write about Houston's hip hop scene, um, which which operated independently of, of a lot of the music industry. And so um, I think he was, yeah, he, he didn't talk incessantly about sort of the family tradition, but um, the, the name alone just sort of carried a certain a certain weight too, even if somebody can't pinpoint which Lomax did which, they all know. Yeah, people know that that, that they were all involved. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just as an aside, there, like I, when I was down in Austin, I bought this shirt at a printing company, and it, it said um, "Still Tipping" on it, and it was a just a white crew neck sweatshirt, and um, I just thought it was an interesting design, and. Um, I, I yeah. brought it up to the counter and I said, what, there was like a car wheel on it, I think. And, and, yes. and, uh, I asked the clerk, I'm like, what, 
what does this shirt mean? Uh, I, I just, you know, I, I bought it and I and he said, oh, that's like referencing um, DJ Screwed. Uh, I guess that's his name, right? Or DJ Screw. Uh, Screw. D- DJ yeah. Screw. Yeah. yeah. And I was uh, totally unfamiliar with, you know, I'm not familiar with the Houston hip hop scene at all, but um, but I bought it anyways. So yeah, now I have a yeah. now I have a DJ Screw shirt. <laughs> That's kind of wonderful, though. I'm glad it's. I'm glad it found its way sort of outside of the state. Yeah, yeah the the scene here in town it it was complete grassroots success, and it was it was miles and miles away uh, from from the real you know from the two really points of entry uh, for for music in this country, you know, New York and Los Angeles, and and things are different now. You know, Atlanta, Memphis, uh, um, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, like. Uh, all of those places have scenes that are sort of renowned, but um, you know, in, in the early '90s, Houston just wasn't getting getting much attention yeah. outside of Houston. Yeah, yeah. So it was sort of like at that time, it was kind of New York, L.A., Atlanta. Those were the three big scenes, and then and then Houston kind of. Yeah, I mean, even Atlanta in the, in the early '90s, Atlanta like it really took Outcast, I think, to, yeah. to to get people to pay attention to Atlanta. But it it, it came along eventually. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that John's father managed um, Towns and 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 Steve Earle, like, and John had a bit of a relationship with Towns, didn't he? Or at, at least knew him fairly well. Yeah, he he definitely knew him. Towns would have played family functions. Towns and Lightning Hopkins both. There's a lot of uh, photographs. Uh, John John's here we go again. John's grandfather, so John Avery Lomax Jr. For a time, served as Lightning Hopkins manager, um, just I think through his work with the Houston Folklore Society. So, um, yeah, so yeah, he 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 would have seen towns in in sort of casual social settings, and and if there was a guitar around, I guess he would have seen him playing a concert for just a handful of people. Yeah, um, yeah, that's quite something. Did did you ever meet Towns at all, or? I never met him. I saw him twice, once in the late 80s and once in the early 90s. And and, and one of the shows was was serviceable and one was sort of those one of those disastrous uh, shows that you sort of hear about where he couldn't sit upright on his bar stool. I, you know, Steve Earle has said that Towns in the 70s was, you know, just the most magnetic, mesmerizing performer ever. I didn't get to see that. I didn't get to see that Towns, but I, I saw him one night where it was, it was, it was, it was good. It was solid. He kept it together. He didn't forget words. He, yeah. Yeah. You know, he got it all down. What club was that? Um, I think it was at the Cactus Cafe in Austin. Okay. And, and then uh, at, at Waterloo in Austin is where he fell off the, the, the stool. Okay. Um, the, re- the record store? The- yeah. Waterloo Records. Yes, okay. yes, yeah. Waterloo, uh, Waterloo. I they may still do it. I haven't been there in a while. Waterloo used to have a lot of uh, little in-store shows um, by people. They'd come in, you know, play a few songs and scribble on, you know, yeah. albums. And and uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know if they still do. I haven't, I haven't been Waterloo in so long. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, Cactus Cafe is quite a place, but um, we went, I, you know, I knew that Towns and Guy and, and a few others played there, um, you know, in the 70s and, and whatnot. So I wanted to, you know, back in March when we were down there, I wanted to just see the place when we went to it. We ended up going to an open mic just to see the inside of the place. And it was it was neat. You know, it was uh I yeah. mean, it was, it, it was, uh, there was about 30 different performers. I just wanted to see the decor and I just wanted to see, you know, some of the pictures on the wall and stuff, but yeah, I, it, maybe yeah. it wasn't, it's not quite what it used to be. The legendary club that it used to be. <laughs> yeah. 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 You get a lot of uh club churn, you know, here in Houston too. Uh, 
but it's it's it's, it's funny. Some of the storied places are still there. Anderson Fair the town surely would have played it. Guy definitely played it. And it's it's where Lucinda Williams and Lyle Lovett cut their teeth. Nancy Griffith, Robert Robert Keane, all these people played Anderson Fair, and it's it's fifty two years old now, I think, and still still standing. Oh wow! Um, okay, you know, there's a few of the yeah yeah. Um, if if you're down here again, you should let me know. Um, I can uh, e- even if it's a night, place, places aren't open. Somebody would show you around if you wanted to see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm kind of familiar with like maybe the Mucky Duck, and that's still kind of a yeah, going yeah, concern. Yeah. yeah. Mucky's been doing. They're back in business. Yeah. Yeah. God, they turned thirty over the pandemic. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. No. No worries. I think I cut you off. There. No. No problem. Um. Yeah. The the Mucky Duck, and then um. I was also. Um, I was at in the Heights and, and, uh, I, I, I was there on a night when I'm not sure if you're familiar with the band American Aquarium. Um, oh, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. And actually I saw BJ Barham like taking a picture of the marquee, uh, at the Heights theater. Uh, uh, at the Heights yeah. Theater. And I thought, yeah, this, that must be kind of a neat club too. So yeah. Yeah. It is. There's a really nice story behind that. Like it was, it was a theater, I think, built in the 20s. And then when it shut down, it became just sort of like a party rental space for a while. It was an art gallery, but it was it it, it uh, it's only been reopened as a music venue maybe six eight years. Okay. Uh, but they they really yeah they 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 spent a lot of time and care making it just a beautiful environment. And it's the sound is exquisite. It's great. It was a great addition to the city. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Um, can you just talk a little bit about like what, like, I don't know, this is kind of a vague question, but I, I was just sort of wondering like, what was it about Houston that really appealed to John? Like, like why did he want to sort of um, uncover it in such detail? That's a good question. I, it's a big question and I will try not to make word soup here, <laughs> but you know, it's, you know, he, he spent, a couple of years of his childhood, I believe, in Nashville um, when 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 he was little, and then and then back to Houston, and and I, I bring that up because I think you know that they are cities that that at that time would have felt very very different. Nashville's product was very much um, through through a very narrow country music sort of lane, and Houston. Houston, I think, probably appealed to him because it it, it felt like a place with fewer laws not not literal laws but just like a place that sort of ran a little bit further afield yeah, yeah. and um and i and i think he liked that and and you know he 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 um he did hate to see the old pieces of the city go and and and, and this you know probably bears mention he had that soul of uh houston series that i that i mentioned um like it, houston is is the most autocentric city you know that i've into it it just it's it's sweltering here um most of the year and so everybody just gets everywhere in their cars and so for, for him to have come up with a series of columns based on walking around yeah <laughs> uh, is, is all is already cutting an interesting path and you add to that um just yeah walking just you got the sense that if he could have mapped out the city and walked in and lifetime you would have done it yeah and um and here this is a little bit of a tangent but it but it it, it does connect to uh mac mccormick who's an old folklorist who who documented just an extraordinary amount of music here and whose archive is now with the smithsonian and they're starting to roll out music and and, and one of the books he wrote and and anyway but like mac, mac 
was a self-taught sort of folklorist and, 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 and he worked for the census and he, and he had a way of mapping the city that was very particular and a little um, obsessive isn't the right word, but very, very detailed. And, and I feel like John was sort of connected to him in a way in his work, just this idea that the only way to really understand a city is to get out and walk around it. If you're in your car, you're not, you're, you're seeing landmarks. You're not, you're not experiencing uh, your city. And, and, and I think that's why that soul of Houston series resonated with so many people is, is uh, yeah, you have to walk around here and it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. I think he made reference to like, um, I forget the word he used, but sidewalks were a um, yeah a luxury or something. I, f- I forget what he said, but yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. And uh, I noticed that too. Yeah, not not the most uh, pedestrian friendly. <laughs> yeah, no, no, and 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 that just makes it all the more important, I think, to to get out and walk around. I I think it's easy to lose sight of your of your city if you just stay in your little little nook yeah 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 i I just found that interesting because like i don't know some people um can't wait to get out of their hometowns or or whatever and and but there's there's others that really uh dig in and and uh really want to sort of um represent it in the best light they can i guess you know or at least in maybe not the best light but just in a a full light an honest sort of, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, he could have punched his ticket to write in any any place he wanted and any any state here and it was it was because he had you know some deep affinity for uh this weird weird town yeah yeah um i know you mentioned the supernaw piece and um i know you mentioned in our emails uh the story about his mom who uh had a tra- yeah. tragic life and and passed away uh, uh young um any other and and of course the soul of houston a- any other pieces yeah. by john that that stick That's, out for you yeah so um there's one and actually before i get to it i'll you know somebody just sent me a link to a, a review he'd done of a barry manilow show oh, and, wow. and it was it was just yeah it was wonderful it just sort of stated how this wasn't his thing, but, but, you know, he came to this sort of begrudging appreciation for the spectacle. And, and, and it's one of those things where that wouldn't end up at the top of anybody's list of favorite things of his that they, uh, that they read, but, um, but just, you know, for a five minute read, it was, it was sort of perfect. Um, a few others, like he, there was, oh gosh, there was a, a bombing at a school here decades ago. And he, he wrote about that. And I don't remember uh, the school was Poe uh named after edgar allen it's an elementary school not uh, not far from my house and and he had written about that and i don't have like real clear memories of that ones i i'm reluctant to bring up any part of it but um i I do remember the first thing i read of his also which he did a he did a story on the investigation of south park mexican who was a a self-made independent rapper here who was uh uh, arrested, tried, and convicted on some sort of uh, child sex crime okay. type thing, and and John did that, I think, for Texas Music Magazine. I'm almost sure that's who he did it for, and that would have been in the late nineties, maybe. And it was it was the first time I remember seeing his name, and then you know connected it to the family later. But uh, that was the first thing I remember reading of his. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot out there. I mean, uh, um, I, I was trying yeah. to. I know Houston Press just put out that soul of Houston series yep. again. And I've been digging through some of that stuff. Um, 
And, um, you know, somebody said it had like a bit of a tinge of Hunter S. Thompson to it or something, you know, that kind of thing too, in a way. Yeah. And I think it's just because he, he was, people, as you can see why people would make that comparison just because he, he wasn't afraid to get into the middle of it. Um, though actually I think in later years, Hunter sort of was, he enjoyed getting the press pass to cover an event, but then he'd check off and do his own thing. But yeah, John just liked throwing himself in the middle. Um, he, yeah, there was a fearlessness to, to to how he sort of approached some of it, but but even even when he was just doing a column, it's still you know I said just even a I remember a this is just a silly little moment, but um, he was doing a thing with uh, the arcade fire right around the time funeral was breaking big, and uh, and they weren't doing many interviews, and um, and. They sent him an email and said, yeah, we'd love to do it. You're the newspaper, you know, in our hometown with with all the pages of, of comics. And it turns out they were talking about actually us, the <laughs> Chronicle. And, and there's this awkward little exchange between him and them on the phone as they figured this <laughs> out. But then he just sort of made the best of, of the situation anyway. It was, yeah, I, a lot of little things like that, things you wouldn't necessarily look up yeah. uh, are still fun to read. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of uh, Arcade Fire, yeah, yeah, we kind of – I know that when – Butler is from, I guess, the Woodlands, right? Is that? I, yes, yes. And, and then, but some of the members are from Montreal, right? Uh, yeah. Right. So, so we, uh, I guess, um, some people claim them as Canadian, but in my opinion, if the if the creative lead of the project is from Houston, then uh, yeah, you guys, you guys get them. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. I, I feel like we can we can split custody. Um, yeah, <laughs> they, you know, Regine is, is such a big part of what they do. I, I think it's uh, it's it's yeah. It seems like a um yeah. We we can split this one. Yeah, yeah. I remember in two thousand four uh, hearing that music for the first time, and um, I haven't you know I haven't really listened uh, real closely to their last few albums but i remember yeah. their first couple um you know neon bible and and funeral and and i just remember thinking what a uh just what a different sound that was for that time i mean yeah um in in 04 i mean it was just like man like what what is this stuff i mean you don't you don't have many of those moments in life like where you hear a band and you think you know totally you know it's yeah. only happened to me a handful of times so yeah it's um i i mean just but you described it better than I could. It just like one day there was this thing and like, Oh, what? that doesn't sound like any of the other things around it. Um, but yeah, you know, that's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was happy for their success. I mean, it's funny that they played here in, I think it was early 2005 and it was booked before things started to blow up really. And it was this little cu uh, club called Mary Jane's, uh, Mary Jane's fat cat. Okay. And, um, and, it was it was so beyond fire code it, yeah. it, it like it was because just i mean there were so many it was one of the smaller clubs in town and and they they at that point they could have pulled a couple thousand easily so yeah it was uh there wasn't much wasn't much oxygen in the room yeah is is that club still open 
It is not. It is not. That was on a, there's a little strip up there. John wrote about this once too. There's a little strip up there. Uh, Washington Avenue was the, was the street and it had a, it had several clubs. Rockefeller is one of the beloved clubs here in town uh, was and is there still, but, but there was Walters on Washington and uh, Mary Jane's fat cat. And uh, both of those are gone. Uh, They would get a lot of um, noise complaints. Okay as the neighborhood started to gentrify and, and it sort of hit its crescendo, uh, two galants. I don't know if you know them. Um, no. Two galants was playing at Walters and there was a noise complaint. The police showed up, told them to turn it off, decided they weren't doing a good enough job. And there was a Houston police department versus, you know, wispy indie rockers um, <laughs> melee that broke out. I, there were kids arrested and tased it was yeah it was, a, it was a bad look yeah yeah <laughs> um was that is that strip washington or, or whatever is that considered montrose as well or is that or no oh god i'm blanking on what that area it's sort of this this border border area um okay okay yeah no no worries um it, it's just when i was you know when i was looking up some information on houston before we visited for a couple of days like it just seemed like everything in Houston was kind of crammed into this little area like south um west I guess of the downtown kind of thing like like the Montrose area and um it just seemed like everything I was looking up revolved around Montrose like it was I was I was just kind of like is there other neighborhoods in Houston <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, you know. It, it- it loomed large there for a while, especially because it was sort of like it was it was center for for you know gay culture for a while. It was like the live music center, but you know comparable as over um, a little east of here is a uh, Third Ward, which was sort of the 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 jumpy neighborhood for uh, for middle class black people. Um, okay, in the, in the, and so there were, it's. Um, there's this place, the El Dorado Ballroom, which is where everybody, like Ray Charles and, and Duke Ellington, would have played. And it, they just reopened. They renovated the ballroom, and it's 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 open again. So uh, yeah, it's the town. It's like hey, I mean, I'm almost reluctant to get into too many of the of the little spaces because it is carved up in a fascinating way, and you really have to kind of commit to spending a lot of time uh, bumbling yeah. around it, yeah, um, to get a real sense for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Because like, you know, I, I was asking a few people here and there and about where I should go. And, and yeah, just, it, you know, M- Montrose kept coming up. And then um, the Heights was maybe a close second, you know, yeah. walk walk along West 19th there. At, at West 19th, is that? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that little strip there. And, and then, um, so yeah, we ended up spending time in, in Montrose, the Heights, and then we went to the Manil Museum, mm-hmm. uh, which was really nice. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you know, I, I drove around downtown because, you know, I, I primarily wanted to see Minute Maid because I'm a bit of a baseball fan. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I just wanted to see where the Astros play. But um, but yeah. other than that, yeah, we only had a couple days, so we had to squeeze a lot in. I, I wanted to go to the old quarter in Galveston, but I never made it down there either. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I'm going to go. I think I may. Bonnie Prince Billy is playing two nights there in September, so I may just go staying galveston for the night between them. oh nice and, uh, yeah the old yeah. quarter is uh yeah the the original old quarter i never got to see but you know it's it looms large especially in towns uh circles because of the record he made there um the uh the one in galveston though i mean it's 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 
been around a bit and, and it took a beating uh the last uh hurricane but yeah yeah but they're still there so what where was the old quarter in Houston that Towns performed at? Is it like what's there now? Do you know? Or I just looked this up. I mean, not not three weeks ago, and I can't remember. Um, I'm, I'm I'm blanking. Okay, um, I'll have to look it up. But yeah, yeah, I'm I, almost I, sure the building itself was raised, but I. Um, I, 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 yeah, this is yeah. this is embarrassing. That this is age and what it does to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, no no worries yeah i was just because yeah it was a, it's kind of a confusing thing because it's like yeah the old quarter in galveston but that's not the one that you know towns uh did the live record at but but yeah so yeah yeah kind of... so his his friend and bassist and and a guy that john lomax the third like would have been in that circle uh, rex bell was the owner and operator so he's the one that moved it to galveston and he ran it out of Galveston for a long time. I think he sold it about five, six years ago. Okay. Um, okay. But he still he still shows up there with his wife Janet, and they they play there uh, still. If if, yeah, if you ever are down this way, you should see if Rex is on the calendar. But I think he's in. I think he decided to retire to the Ozarks somewhere, so maybe Arkansas. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm. I. I really wanted to. I really wanted to get down there, but yeah, yeah, that Bonnie Prince Billy show uh, sounds really good too. I've never, you know, I've never caught him. Uh, I re- I think he's playing in Montreal uh, as well around that, like in the fall as well. So yeah. um, I might try to catch that. I've, he's one artist that I've just has always eluded me. He just doesn't he doesn't go out much. You know, no, not at all, not at all. You know? uh, he's played here once, and I've been here nineteen years. So yeah, yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, I. Uh, I've spent a few, I've, I've been in Louisville a few times and, and what mm. one time, um, uh, I, I knew that he lived there and, and there's that bridge that goes from downtown Louisville to over to, um, is it Indiana? Uh, I don't know exactly. I think it's Indiana, but it crosses the Ohio river. And, um, anyways, he was biking, uh, on the bridge with his, he has this little dog named, uh, Gigi. And, and, and his little dog was in the basket of his bike, uh, in the front. And, uh, and he was just biking past me on this, uh, on this bridge that's, in Louisville. So I was like, yeah, that's cool. I, I got to see Will. I, I haven't seen him live, but I got to see him uh, on the bridge yeah, anyways. You, you've got a story. I think that's almost, uh, yeah. that's just as good. <laughs> what, uh, I was just wondering like what, what musicians what are there any musicians any songs that come to mind when you think of of john like are, are there any um yeah anything yeah one one of the first ones that jumps to mind and, and I'm, i wrote this in that little tribute was that he, he he always just he loved to to agitate rolling stones fans by telling them that uh towns van zandt's cover of dead flowers is better than uh the original right um he, yeah he, he, i just i i think he thought towns captured the real blues in that was like, if you listen to the Rolling Stones version of it, um, Mick's doing that sort of uh, affectation of a, of a hillbilly voice and, and like towns kind of got into the, the real fiber of that song and then found some, so I, that one. And, and, you know, it's funny because I think, I think a lot of people think, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to articulate this, but like I, not all, 
music critics or cynics. And, uh, and so like there were two people I think of just immediately that when I found out he was a fan, it made me very, very happy because they're like <laughs> people I don't know. But like when Nick Lowe was making those sort of, this is before like Nick Lowe's enjoyed some rediscovery recently, yeah. but, but for a few years there, he's making these loungy records that I, I just thought were beautiful and, and they got nice reviews, but, um, but John was a big Nick Lowe fan and the other was, um, Clem Snide. Oh, nice. Yeah. Who I, I mean, I, I don't just I I didn't know any people in Texas who were who were fans and a lot of people I know who liked them early on cut bait with the band but John John yeah he 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 loved them well yeah. to the, I bought a ticket for him to see them earlier this year but he just his health wasn't such that um, that he could attend but anyway, yeah I'm, I'm nattering so 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 they played in Houston earlier this year yeah February maybe yeah um, yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a casual fan, but I, I do appreciate um, Clem Snide. Like, I'm definitely not a scholar on their work, but that 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 latest record, you know, with that yes. uh, Ro- Roger Ebert song, uh, <laughs> yes. that song, yeah, that's brilliant, and, and I like that whole record to be honest. Yeah. But I, I do have to do a, a bit, a bit more of a dive. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I never got tired of them, but I think a lot of people after that, after their, I think it was their second or third record, really did well. Then just interest sort of waned and i think people filed and forgot about them but uh but uh, bands that people file and forget are sometimes my favorites so uh it's nice to have somebody else sort of also uh who, who liked listening to around. yeah 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 um do you know much about the the hayes carl story like uh, john sort of discovering him or 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 one of the yeah. first ones to kind of write about him maybe, i think or? yeah i think he was and i i I'm almost sure he was because Hayes, Hayes was playing the right clubs here around town. But um, you know, it's it's one of those things where he came along at a time where a lot of the old guard was still playing his places every night too. But uh, but you know, he 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 earned his way on the stages with his with his songs. But John, I think it might have been before I got here. I think it, it actually because I think Hayes's second record came out when I got here. But um, yeah, very first one, John was John was on to that. Like he 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 thought. He thought there was there was a special talent there. Yeah, he was, yeah. He was right. Yeah, yeah. D- like, would you say that he had a favorite genre of music, or was it sort of all over the map for him? It, I think I, I, you know, I, I hope I'm not failing him by saying this, but I, I, d- I do think it was sort of all over the map. I, I, I know he, he really check out when you get a chance if you just google his name and barry manilow that ribbon should come out because he, he does mention somewhere in there you know because manilow is about as white as music can get and yeah, uh, and, yeah. He, and, and he mentioned how his his affinity really went in a different direction and, and i think he specifically mentioned like 50s early rock and roll slash rb um 80s and 90s houston hip-hop like those those were a lot of the things that resonated but i mean he 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 listened to a lot of stuff from a lot of places too. So uh, Houston had this wonderful thing called the Houston International Fest, and it would have a theme country every year. And they'd bring in musicians from all over the place, but they'd try to focus on a different nation each year. And it was it was a real it was a real treasure for sort of um, international performers, where you know the cost of touring the states is a little. A little prohibitive sometimes they can bump they can uh, connect this to jazz fest in new orleans and, and make a trip out of it so yeah yeah um so just uh you know back to your piece uh, you wrote 
uh, you wrote something. I, I was just wondering if you could unpack it a little bit more. Like you, you just wrote that um, that John felt deeply, and I, I was just wondering. Like, I mean, you know, I, I know sort of what that means on the surface, but but can you expand on that a little bit? Like, yeah. And I would, I, I would, I would defer some of it to the story. I, I, you know, I think the story he wrote about his mother explains a lot of it. And 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 you know, it's interesting is the a lot of the time would be spent just sort of drinking and having a good time, and, and it wouldn't go into these maudlin spaces. But you knew they were there, and, and also just yeah, I mean. I, Around the time my body would shut down after a night of drinking, he would still, you know, have something left in the tank. Um, so it's, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I struggle to articulate this for no small number of reasons. I mean, I do just especially in his two kids. I always, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm not, I'm not making a ton of sense here, but yeah, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, I. He just, um, I think some people detected an assertiveness in, in, in the way he wrote and, and, but I, you know, it's, it's, but there's also just sort of this insecurity there too. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that you, yeah. And then who knows whether it's, you know, a mother thing or, or whatever else, but, um, yeah, I think I've I think I've probably have danced all the way around your question. No, no, that's, that's, that's fine. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think it's a hard thing to articulate. I mean, um, you know, and and yeah, but um, I was just it was an interesting line, and I I, I think I, I I know I know what you mean, but um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah and, I think and, there's some people who can compartmentalize um, things, and I, I just yeah, he always struck me as somebody who there were little lines of connection to somebody he would be writing about or talk, or just talking to. The number yeah. of people, the number of people I know personally who knew him and I didn't know they knew each other is it's, it's, it's astounding. I, like, yeah, he just, he, part of that walking around Houston thing is that he also just, he circulated. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I read some, I can't remember where I read this now, but um, it was a story that somebody was telling John went to visit somebody in New York city and uh, you know, they were walking around New York and John was like pointing out all of the landmarks and the history behind the landmarks to this like years long resident of New York. <laughs> and John <laughs> of course didn't live there, but he knew more than the resident yeah. of New York city. And, and uh, that struck me too, because, you know, it's a, I think that just speaks to a, you know, a deep curiosity that a lot of writers have and like, you mentioned in your piece too, like a, a perpetual interest in place. You know, he, he he was deeply interested in your Kentucky roots and he, yeah. he always made sure to bring, you know, a bottle of bourbon and, and like to talk about, you know, Kentucky as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's probably increasingly rare. I mean, I think we're all a little bit more migratory than, you know, each generation. I, you know, it's, it's when I think back, people my father's age you know nobody would have left their hometown back then and 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 now everybody's everywhere and so but it's just there was that sense he was just always interested in in any place he might be passing on the way and and, you know i think that's a good way to go about the world being interested in what's out there that you don't know yeah yeah i love that i mean i just i i connected with that because you know i used to road trip a lot as a kid and and 
yeah. I can just remember my my dad like family vacations and stuff and he had just a lot of um I say this you know in an endearing way but he had a lot of useless information in his head and you know we, we'd be passing different towns and he would just be saying oh you know such and such a company is headquartered here or you know such and such a baseball player was was born here and you know he would just have these facts in his head and and that kind of reminded me of my dad when i when i heard that about john like just kind of full of these of these facts that you know kind of impress people and people are like how did you know how do you know that Where, where'd you pull that from you know type of thing yeah. you know yeah, yeah. I, and i love i love that you're I, you, you describing your father is like what's like for my daughter driving with me. And so like she doesn't yeah. she doesn't care that the basis from Slayer lives in this little <laughs> town. Like but I tell her every time anyway. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean I have a lot of good memories of I, I mean and now I'm kinda like that where it's just yeah. you know, you're you're kind of fascinated by these small facts. Yeah. 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 We all get uh, there. Um another um I don't know. I don't even know whether this is worth asking, but I was just, just to kind of finish up here. I was just, I just had a question about like what you think John's legacy would be. And I know that, I know that's unfair maybe, but um, I know it's probably different for a lot of different people. It's different for his family and it's different for maybe some of the people that read his writing, but like, you know, does, yeah, that, it, does that resonate at all? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it, it, the first thing I thought of when you when you say that is uh, like a, this guy Michael Corcoran who's uh, just a, a wonderful. I almost called him a music writer. He writes about other things, but uh, but he was he was uh, he was the Austin uh, American Statesman's music critic I think for a long time. He worked in Dallas. Anyway, long story short, he had some post on Facebook where he just mentioned that you know in in this line of family who who all had made these major musical contributions and many of them wonderful writers he still referred to him as the best writer of the bunch okay and uh yeah and so like i i'm probably getting a little far off from from your question here but i yeah there's a guy named um sig bird and and he was a he was a big documentarian of houston like he was a writer he was um I mean, like if houston had eb white's and clumsy comparison which is or joseph mitchell yeah, and, uh, yeah. and 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 there's a record store here in town named after him, Sig's Lagoon, and 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 yeah, in some ways I think like John was dedicated to the city in a way comparable to Sig Bird. Like it's it's it just you know not waiting for stories to become big and international to appreciate a story happening in the backyard. Like it's it's, uh, it's just sort of appreciating the little minutia of a very big, changing, sprawling place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was just, I mean, it's, I guess it's legacy enough when, you know, just upon reading all of the the colleagues and uh, friends that wrote about him, you know, when he passed away, it was uh, really touching to read everybody's tributes. And um, yeah, you know, he, yeah, he meant a lot to, uh, to a lot of people, uh, obviously. So yeah, and it's, and it's tough, you know, it's, it, it is weird. And that, you know, they're, they're used to, they're, there's an institution that sort of, consolidated all these things for years if a writer did enough stuff you know you could you could for one publication you could pull them together and throw it out as a book but it's yeah. it's with with so many things posted digitally like it's it's a little harder to get all the all the animals herded uh together so yeah but but i you know i think anytime somebody sort of sets out to understand the city they're going to come across something of his and they're going to feel like they understand it better um 
yeah. the minute they read it. Yeah, I feel, I feel like every city needs to hire a guy like John and, you know, to document this stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think Houston becomes, it often becomes a way station for people. They, they they come from one other place, they work here for a bit, and then they go right, you know, in New York or another market. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's this needs, every, every town needs a good storyteller. Yeah, and, and, and like, one last thing, like, how, how does Houston fit into, like, sort of the cultural puzzle that is Texas. Like, like what is Houston's identity? You it's, know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's identity is probably plural. It's, uh, you know, demographically it's, it's, it's wildly international and diverse. Um, it, it, it has, somebody once told me that, and I don't know what it means exactly, but they called it the gayest zip code in the, in the country. Um, just, okay. I, I think it's yeah, zip code with the, yeah, and so um, it it has this incredible music history. It somehow sort of lost that crown to Austin somewhere in there. But you know, in the, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, the the nightclubs here were all the the top people were playing. So like, it, 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 it's a town that 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 um, just terrible drivers. Everything goes <laughs> fast. Uh, people yeah. do. They it's a place dedicated to seeing what you can get away with. Um, but it but it nurtures some wonderful art and culture and um, yeah I, 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 I know that's the worst nutshell that anyone has ever. <laughs> I I know you live and work there, but it, is Houston your favorite city in the state? Would you say? I I, I detest hot weather, so like I, you know I really love Chicago. Um, I yeah. like to walk around Chicago even in January. I'll gladly walk around Chicago, but but you know it, but if I'm among places I've lived or just places. Yeah, I love this place. It's, it's been good to me and it's, it's, and, and you learn to love it for its, it's weird nooks and crannies too. Yeah. Is there any kind of a, uh, feud or, or competition between, you know, DFW and Houston or. I, the, there seems to be like some bad blood. And it's funny, John used to push that in some of his columns, he, except he'd write, he'd write bad things about Austin. Um, he, he loved antagonizing Austin fans. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there is probably Houston, Dallas. Uh, there's definitely a different, like culturally, they're, they're almost uh, two entirely different nations. Um, yeah. But, uh, but I, you know, I go up to Dallas and I enjoy it. The, the, the museums there are great. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the person to say bad things about Dallas. I know others who gladly do so. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't. I, I mean, again, like I just, I, I kind of was fleetingly in each city. You know, Dallas, yeah. Fort Worth, San Antonio, Austin, and Houston. And and I wish that I had spent more time in Houston because it just, it. I mean, I spent the bulk of we spent the bulk of our time in Austin and San Antonio and, um, you know, just a couple of days in DFW, but, um, I don't know. Houston just had a different feel. I mean, I, I like bigger metropolises anyway, I think. Yeah. And I mean, Dallas Fort Worth is just so broken up and spread out that yes. it doesn't, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like a one cohesive, you know, city. Like it, it kind yeah. of, yeah, it's kind of broken up a little and then, um, but anyways, yeah, I, I hope to get down there again one day. So yeah, I'll, yeah. holler if yeah. you do. I'm happy to yeah. to show you more places. Though it sounds like you 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 had a good sense of where to go. You've you've uh, you hit good spots here. So yeah, yeah. Were you there during Harvey? 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and yeah. Did, did that affect you in, in a bad way or, or was um, it? No, I mean, it, it made work a little bit harder than, you know, getting called in. I guess it's all hands on deck when, it, when, when you have an event like that. But uh, the house, the house stayed dry. It, um, we did okay. I did okay personally, you know. Yeah. I, but, um, you know, it's, it's, you're going to know somebody who did. So we, we must've mucked out three or four houses for uh, one was uh, an ex colleague of mine. One was one of my daughter's teachers. Um, one was our friend whose parents had moved out of their house, but hadn't sold it. And so, you know, it's not much fun to have to clean that up. Um, no, no. Deciding which, you know, which, which family possession to end up in the pile out front or which are salvageable, but yeah, um, but yeah. we're on a swamp. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and do you get down to Minute Maid much for, for games? As often as possible. I love the game. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, when I was in New York, I went as often as I could and, and I, I don't, I don't have to have a team. I like be playing for me to want to see baseball. I just, I, yeah, I, I like it that much. So yeah. I just like going for an afternoon at the park too. And, and, yes. uh, yeah, like, um, I, I, you know, I, I particularly like, you know, picking a minor league team with a good name and, yes. and, 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 and like, you know, like the Sugarland Space Cowboys or yes. whatever. <laughs> yes. Used, used to be the Skeeters, right? Yeah. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah um, so. Have, have you been to St. Paul to see the Saints? I have not. No, no. It's, nice it's, park. So it's, it's, it's a lovely part. I mean, it's a fine part, but like there's a, they, it's one of those places um, that has a whole culture around the team. And so like um, during the seventh inning stretch, they set fire to this tower in the outfield and then the fire department would come put out the fire and they had a, uh, they have a, they have a pig between innings and it has a little saddle and they put uh, the balls for the umpire on the pig and send it out to home plate. Like it's <laughs> like, let's, there's a lot of like sweet little local characters. I think Bill Murray might own part of the team. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and Bill Vack, I think who's the son of the guy who sent the little person, Eddie Goodell into a baseball game decades. Anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. The St. Paul yeah. saints, if you're ever in the, in the twin cities area. Okay. Um, I recommend yeah. It. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, all right, Andrew, um, I'll let you get on with your night. Um, but um, I did read, too, though, that there there might be a book of John's blog posts at some point. Is there, yeah, do you know so, anything about that? So, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've talked to his father a little bit, and uh, I, think, I think what he's hoping to do is immediately compile the Soul of Houston series into something they can publish um, either digitally or – or a print product. And I, I, and I think it's going to be a little harder to come up with an anthology of, because he wrote for several places here in town and, and he really like, and did great work for all of them. So like you're talking about different set of permissions for each one. So, so I've, I've sort of encouraged uh, his father to take a little time with that one. The soul of Houston, that's one thing you can, you know, put it in there and send it. But uh, this other thing I think might, might do well with a little curation and thought. And, and, and then also, again, like I said, the, the permissions are going to be potentially um, problematic. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, thanks again for doing this and um, yeah. yeah. And, and I just want to, yeah, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. Oh no! I was just say if 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 you decide there's something we missed, do you need more? Uh, just let me know if if there's a question I can answer by email. Drop me a line. 
Okay, awesome. Yeah. And um, I, I also just want to, again, just say, um, you know, sorry for your loss. And I just, I, I, I want to pass my condolences on to, uh, you know, his, his, uh, his children as well. And, uh, and all of his other, uh, you know, family members that, that cared, you. cared about him. Yeah. I, I will pass it along. You know, I, I, yeah. I'm in regular contact with his dad and, and, uh, and his son is a journalism student and took him for coffee last week. So, um, okay. for coffee last week. Yeah. So, uh, I'll, right. I'll, I'll, I'll pass it along. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, Glenn, it was good to meet you and, and, yeah. and thanks for bearing with me and, and yeah, holler if I can help in any way. Absolutely. All right. Take care, Andrew. All right. Okay. You too. Okay. Bye. My father could use a little mercy now. The fruits of his labor falling right slowly on the ground. His work is almost over, it won't be long. He won't be around I love my father He could use some mercy now My brother Could use a little mercy now a stranger to freedom he's shackled to his fear and his doubt the pain that he lives in it's almost more than living will allow I love my brother could use some mercy now A church in my country Could use a little mercy now As they sink into a poison pit It's gonna take forever to climb Carry the weight of the faithful who follow them down. I love my church and country, they could use some mercy now. Every living thing could you. A little mercy now Only the hand of grace Can end the race Towards another mushroom cloud People in power They'll do anything To keep their crown Life and life 
Single 